Oh. All right, we're we're on. So uh, this is uh, JPS, and with my co-host Ben. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to introduce himself, but this is the second episode of the podcast. How are you doing, Ben? I uh, I've never been better. Yeah, I think uh, a few months away. For, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I'll let you finish after this. Uh, a few months away. Uh, <laughs> Uh, from the Red Scare server will, you know, do a lot for your sanity, honestly. It's it's good that you left. <laughs> I've never been better. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, that place was, like, keeping me up until, like, 4 a.m., 7 a.m. every single night. Yeah. I've, yeah. Never, I've never read as much as I have in the last couple of days. Yeah, and you're very popular there now. Those videos were big hits with the with the ladies at Red Scare. You're... See, when I'm on there, they're all like, you know, Ben should be lynched. You're you need to die. I want to see you burned alive. Uh, and then when I'm gone, it's like, oh man, wasn't Ben the best? Yeah, I remember. Uh, I used to be one of the most hated people on this the server. I was pretty much Vronak two for a while, and then I left for like a month and a half, and now they're at least more or less fond of me. You know, it's it's great doing. You know, you need to kind of keep the keep yourself from the host for a bit, or they get bored of you. You know, you gotta leave intermittently. That's that's my uh, opinion. I might leave soon too. I think they are getting bored of me now. You know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah, they don't exactly. know how how I was the glue that held that server together. Yeah, you you really were. It did get boring after you and uh, and our boy Chris Wright left. Now it's oh, like they lost the yin and yang, and now there's nothing left. Well, I don't. I I really I like to believe Vranak left as a result of the the video I posted where I burned that picture of him. But I doubt that I even watched that. I. I think he probably watched it because he's so obsessed with himself that anything that he, you know, is even like, uh, like minorly mentioned and he'll, you know, go crazy with, but yeah. But, um, yeah. Do you know the whole story of his leaving yesterday or only in here? Oh my God. All my updates on the uh, server have been like, like soda, uh, DMing me on, on Instagram and filling me in. Yeah, I, I don't think Soda told you everything because I think you'd be a little bit more excited about one little, little thing. Oh boy. Yeah, but um, a few days ago, I think two days ago, um, on the server, um, they were like vibing in VC. No one was talking. I wasn't in there because I'm like, what the fuck? I go to VC to talk. I'm not going to like vibe there. And, but, you know, they were vibing, you know, they're having fun, they're dancing. And, uh, Vranak uh, was there too, but uh, apparently he left. He forgot his camera was on, and uh, uh, he came he back without his parents. Right? Yeah, he. Um, at first, they didn't believe it. I'm like, this is a joke, right? But then they're like, then it's like there's actually text proving that it happened. Like uh, someone's like Vranak penis. I'm not sure how I feel about that. And then Vranak's like, oh shit, the camera was on. But that wasn't what got him kicked out. What got him kicked out was a comment he made about... Uh, I'm not sure if I should say her name, but... but let's just say it. It's not even a real name, but Abel's sister. He's like... I am. <laughs> I, I don't have the uh, quote on uh, verbatim, and it wasn't even that creepy, but he was like... I Let's talk about how... I think it was like, let's talk about how sexy Abel looked when she oh. was dancing yesterday. And then, I saw this one. 
Yes, and then, he, then when she said, like, I don't want to be on VC with you ever again, he's like, oh, you fucking idiot. You're the worst. You're, you're loser able. Yeah, and something you realize with Vranak is that he uses, like, this sort of, um, like, philosophical language that he really doesn't understand. Like, he told Abel that she doesn't understand her sens sensuality. And, you know, sensuality was a word Nietzsche used a lot. I'm not a big, you know, Nietzsche guy. I've only read probably, like, 50 pages of him in total. But, you know, it was, it was something he talked about, like, the primary forces. This is, like, really basic, you know, a basic interpretation. But the primary forces in, you know, human nature are hostility and sensuality. And... Vranak just like push the word like you can't accept your sensuality like what does that oh, even God. mean? That's what he does. Like, well, he he speaks in like prose, right? I mean, he speaks intentionally in a way that that's supposed to make him seem smarter. He yeah. doesn't actually understand what he's trying to say. Yeah, exactly. It was the same thing. He uses the term bad faith a lot, which isn't really something I understand that much, but it was something that uh, Jean-Paul Sartre used to use. And I, I bet he's using it incorrectly. You know, I think he is because bad faith is something that's like really deep and existential. And I think he just views it as like if someone's lying to him or something. <laughs> like, uh, my favorite was when he used the uh, phrase moral pygmy. Uh, which, which that tells me that he went to the thesaurus and looked up synonyms for a uh, mental midget. <laughs> That's so true. That's exactly what he did, and I will not have anyone tell me otherwise. To try to like, you know, he's trying to find more complex language to express the same idea. Yeah, exactly. I do not know what's up with this guy. He just has problems. Honestly, that's just the thing about it. Yeah, well, as I as I mentioned in my video address to him, Vranarchist uh, Cookbook, I uh, I see like autism as like an explanation for his actions, at least in part, but I don't see it as an excuse because yeah. uh, you know most autistic people can function just fine in society. Yeah, it's a bit harder for them, but most of them do have the you know uh, make the effort to try to fit in and to try to like act like a normal person, like. Mm -hmm. Fuck, that's someone texting me to be quiet. No, never mind, but yeah, continue. So, like, Elliot Roger was uh, autistic, and, you know, obviously it didn't function in society that well, but uh, he, he was able to, like, like, he went to college and shit and, like, went to parties and outside. Yeah, I mean... And I was on Discord. Yeah, exactly. We're not even telling Vranok to like get a college degree, and well, I, some people are, but I think those people are wrong to get a college degree and to get a nine to five. We're just telling him like you need something going on other than this. Like we we know guys who are basically neats who we like. I don't want to name names because they might take this as an insult, but there's cool guys who are basically neats and almost the same age as him. Who, but you know, they're, they're just not. They have other things going on other than Discord. <laughs> He, he like whenever i tell him like man you have to find a way to to move out of your parents house like he accuses me of of being like a wage slave and uh and glorifying work and capital accumulation it's like no i only care about money to to the point of like securing basic necessities without needing my parents yeah i mean um and the thing about it is he claims he's a socialist, but this is a point that, uh, let's just say, friend of the show, Veggie, made that 
he's ultimately going to become a landlord because when his parents croak, he's not going to have any marketable skills and all he's going to have is that property. And what is he going to do? Rent it out. And I don't, I don't even think he's going to have any moral qualms about it. And, you know, if he does, he's just going to justify it to himself with some bullshit, like uh, half-baked, like uh, sort of philosophical pseudo-intellectual garble. That's what he does for, for all of his actions is he, uh, he justifies it with, with total nonsense. Look, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think he has thought through what he's going to do when his parents die. Because uh, he has never, I keep asking him, like, what, what do you plan on doing? He's never, he's never answered me. He's told me he has relatives, but they live in, like, England. Damn. Yeah, that's just weird. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the end of our Vranak discussion. Do you have anything bad on him? Oh, wait, so did Vranak get kicked or did he leave voluntarily? He left voluntarily, and then um, they banned him after he left because I think he thought that everyone was going to be like, oh, no, he left. Let's beg him to come back on, but then they just banned him. But... That's good. I mean, look, I've been, I've been begging. Essentially, I've been begging them to ban him forever because, like, clearly, this is his only, the Discord is his only outlet with the outside world. That's not healthy at all, so it should just be closed off. Yeah, well, I have a bit of a differing opinion in which, uh, like, there's this quote from Chris Chan where he's like, he told his trolls, like, I forget what the words were exactly, but you need me just as much as, um, like, I need you, or you need me way more than I need you, and that's pretty much the case with this server. I think this server ultimately kind of, I mean, you might disagree with me, but kind of does need Vranak to be sort of like the village idiot to make fun of, you know? Well, that's true. <laughs> I, I've gotten, like, countless hours of entertainment off of, like, yeah. just, just the Kobe comment. Oh, yeah, I mean, say what you want about him, but, you know, however un- unintentionally, he is funny. <laughs> Like, uh, he's funny like like chris chan is funny, you know yeah like like he doesn't do it on purpose he's yeah making a mockery of himself yeah that's yeah exactly and you once told me that uh or maybe not me in particular but i read a comment by you that uh he's like chris chan and i'm like well he's not that autistic but then now i'm like well, no, he probably is that autistic. It's just that his life isn't as documented as uh, Chris Chan's. And, you know, we haven't had the chance to do those sort of Chris Chan-like experiments, like, you know, sending girls out to, you know, do dates with him or anything like that. Like, yeah. do you really think he'll be any less, you know, creepy with the girls that than Chris Chan was? At least he's smart enough to not, like, give out his address and home phone number. If he If he gave out his home phone number, yeah, I would be fucking with him constantly like that yeah of course i mean he might i mean if we sort of got a young attractive girl to sort of dm him and lull him in we probably could get that kind of information and we could do sort of like a pickle man style this is like obscure chris chan stuff so only we're gonna understand it but yeah we could do a pickle man kind of thing that would be fun I don't think Vranak listens to this so i don't think we're you know exposing ourselves here by saying this kind of stuff Oh god! Yeah, like uh, I, I'm the only difference between him and Christian is I don't think that he has uh, I don't think he has any Sonic OC. I don't think he has like the dedication to make any 
like terrible comics. Yeah, I think that his creative energies are pursued in different ways, just by like posting on Reddit and Discord. Oh. Yeah, but what if there was sort of like a like not Sonichu, but like Red Scare comic that Vrana could It would be Lord of the Rings more than anything. Yeah, I guess he would make Lord of the Rings, but he would like put Anna and Dasha in it like as he got into the Red Scare fandom <laughs> and and he would be in it as like the, yeah. the main protagonist. Yeah, of course. That would be great. But yeah, I mean I don't know. I really regret not going on that voice call because what I would do to like get a video of Ronak walking in on voice chat naked. I you know, I, I would beg him for, for the uh specifications of his like dick and, and I want to know the length and girth, and he just he wouldn't tell me. Yeah, well, it's like now this is known information. Roughly how yeah. large it is. And also, um, I've been asking him to uh to go on his podcast, and today Ian, you know, like he 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 like I guess was about to get Ian to go on his podcast, but Ian never showed up. So I, I know, think I good. might be next. <clears throat> I would love to be on it. Like that's why I made that video for is to beg him to let me on. Yeah, I mean, I've been asking him to let you on, but he's he's not even acting like you exist. He's like, I'm like, hey, yeah, uh, have been on your podcast. In denial. Yeah, and then he's like, who? <laughs> like, let me look at it right now. I've known him since. Uh, I've known a. I've been talking with him since like August. He knows that I exist. Of course he knows that you exist. He's just like pretending that you don't because he doesn't want to get in a confrontation. I mean, as you said rather brilliantly, uh, he doesn't like games like chess because there's a clear winner and loser. And he doesn't like, and and maybe in a podcast, there isn't such a clear winner and loser, but it still kind of exists. Like someone can like verbally own someone. But in the text, like he can always convince himself that he won, and that's exactly. why he doesn't want you on the podcast. Yeah, well, I think he's a lot more meek on uh, on on voice. Like nobody lets him uh, talk on and on and on. So I mean, he's just he's in a much weaker position. Yeah, absolutely. He's. He's not like uh, he's not a bold guy. He's not a strong guy. He's he's not a smart. He's not anything. He's a, he's a fucking loser. I mean, it's sad to say it, but he is. I mean, he's the biggest know, loser on earth. I swear. Yeah, this guy is not a winner. I tell you. I mean, At least someone Christian needs has notoriety. Yeah, I mean, we should kind of do like a thing with him, like embarrass him so much. That's probably the only way. Like. I don't know. Um, like, remember when, like, the PSN, like, password or something, like, Blue Spike stole it or something, and then, like, they made him shove a medallion up his ass or something. Yes. We shouldn't do like, something. Like, listening to to that call was like listening to someone torture a small animal. How Blue Spike was treating Christian. I know. I mean, I don't know. Um. Who who do you think uh, we would be? Who would be the Clyde? Uh, who would be the Clyde Cash? And who would be the uh, Blue Spike if that we had that situation with him? Blue Spike. The thing about him is like he was a thirteen-year-old boy, and he sounded like a girl because you know he hasn't gone through puberty yet. Yeah, <laughs> he was a he fucking be... sadist, man. That was that was like hard to listen to. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it would be so fucking funny if we got someone to, like pose as Greta Thunberg. 
Oh, yes. I mean, we need to do it one of these days. Uh, I have some relatives in Vancouver, but I don't think he's into <laughs> my race. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't want to put them through that trouble anyway, but I don't know. <laughs> that would be funny. I'm checking out his uh, his Patreon page here. And uh, it's worth mentioning, like, he doesn't really know, understand how it works for his goals page. Um, has goals up to $20,000 a month. Now, he doesn't actually give a reason why he wants to attain those goals. Like, like for the most part, as someone who's a podcaster will put like, oh, if I reach $1,000 a month, I will buy a new sound system. He doesn't have that. He just has like, like it would be really cool if I got $5,000 a month. If I get $5,000 a month, I will buy one night with Dosh. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's probably what he's thinking. But I like to I think know. about like, like maybe he has a sketchbook where he uh, takes his uh, marriage and, and relationship with Dasha. I mean, he thinks he's their muse. Like, this is something CC talks about all the time that, like, he'll take like minor uh, details from like tweets and Reddit posts from years ago. And then he's like, oh, Anna and Dasha took inspiration from this with like a podcast that was like just last week. It's so dumb. I can't find it right now, but uh, actually, I had a Reddit post where he uh, like said, you know, before I came along, uh, Dasha was uh, suicidal and Anna was killing herself with alcohol and cigarettes. It's like the idea that, that he changed that is so funny to me. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what this guy thinks he is. It's, oh my God. I he wish is. this guy sort of, like, I wish they caught on to this guy, like, when he was doing Lord of the Rings and when he was, like, 25. So they could have done some Chris Chan stuff to him, but. I think it's now too late for him to, you know, do that kind of stuff. <laughs> is, that, like, is that the point where it's more, like, funny than sad? You know, like, when he would be 25 and neat, like, that, that's funny. Now that he's 40 and then neat, really, really sad. Yeah, it is, you know, pretty sad. You know? I, I, like, I don't know, like, what he thinks is left for him in life. I mean... He's come up with this stupid rationalization of him being a virgin. I forget the quote exactly, but it's oh, like... God. So good. He's like, spiritually, I'm not a virgin. It's only in physical terms I'm a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. This guy is so funny. But yeah. Funniest thing to me. Yeah, well, it's like Charles Bukowski didn't get to start as a writer until he was like 50. I mean, it's never really too late. So if they just are, like, dedicated enough to get their act together. Yeah, I mean, he has to do something. Like, he has to, you know, uh, I don't even know, just get a... Like, he doesn't even have to get a job, but just, like, write a book or something. It doesn't even have to be as good. Like, you just have to get something going, in my opinion. You have to have something going on other than this bullshit. Because this place sucks. It will, like, melt your brain after a while, and it clearly has... I mean, yeah, you can attest to this. I mean, haven't you become so much smarter after leaving for only a few weeks? Yeah, no, uh, I know every single fact about East Germany now. Awesome. Now it's like, I mean, this guy, he probably was like a relatively 
smart, you know, a lot of autists are are somewhat intelligent. Probably was a little bit like intelligent before the internet like decided to rot his brain. Yeah, I I agree. It was you know he's like more art- even though he's a total soid, he's more articulate than most people. Yeah, I think uh, I used to think that he was like an actual like smart guy. Like when I when I had like trouble reading Nietzsche back in like October of last year, I would like uh I would send him the the portion I was confused with and like ask him to help me out in understanding it. Then he would like send back like some total nonsense that uh, didn't make any sense, and I pretended like I I got what he was under saying. Yeah. Well, um... I wish I met you earlier. You really have grown quite a lot since I met you, and that was way before I met you. What was it, September last year, you said? Yeah. Yeah. I joined a trap server, like, when I turned uh, 17. Yeah, man. Yeah, and then uh, I I joined the server in, like, November or December of last year, so that was I met you a few months afterwards. I look at, like, uh, posts from even, like, November on uh on the red scare server and like i i can't help but cringe you know it's it's terrible posting it's mostly mostly self-pity just wallowing in self-hatred yeah you were kind of like i i i wasn't really that interested in you honestly because uh sort of like all the sort of i don't mean that this as an insult i like That's understandable. A lot. But yeah, but I mean, because all the sort of like pity poster sort of melts together in my brain, like I probably like you know like Dangoid, like I don't even have an opinion on him really anymore. It's just, it's just so whiny, you know, like yeah. like just posting every single day about how how you're you're angry. To post myself in like December about how you're angry that nobody likes you and and all that. You know, people aren't attracted to people who are negative. Exactly. I mean, that's a good way of, of making sure that you continue to be lonely. Yeah, for sure. That's what that's what you do, and I think that's kind of you know the implicit motive of people who are like pity posters. They, I think, are. This is me going Vranox <laughs> psychoanalyst, but I think they are sort of afraid of. Uh, sort of intimacy with people so they preemptively sort of shut it out by saying oh i'm i'm lonely forever what's the point i think they're afraid of rejection and like yeah. the, the harms that i mean friendship has like and and relationships have costs and benefits i think they're they're afraid of of the costs i think a uh, uh, lean green kind of summed it up really well he explained how who have like insecurities will sometimes like like make those insecurities part of their identity in order to uh to disarm them it actually ends up being really cringe and, and annoying yeah absolutely people will make being depressed or, or ugly or something like a part of their identity yeah, and this is not to say that depression like isn't real or it doesn't affect people but it's ultimately a case of you know you kind of have to take the steps to sort of, if not, you know, cure it, because uh, this might seem, you know, harsh, but it might not be possible to cure, but, you know, like, uh, remediate the effects of it. And, you know, if you don't do that, and if you just, you know, say, oh, I'm depressed, and that's it, well, what's the point, honestly? I mean, Why I mean, don't you just die? Goes, yeah, depression usually goes away within, like, like seven months. 
uh, if you just give it time. Like, I mean, I'm a diagnosed depressive, but like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't pills or anything like, uh, I do not want to kill myself every day. It was, it was just, just time, basically, just maturing a little. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been like clinically depressed, but I have been in sort of states for like a few weeks where I'm like, what's the point? And ultimately, I think what some people have to do, this might seem like really cruel, but they ultimately have to sort of give themselves the ultimatum. Uh, do I want to live or do I not want to live? And, you know, like, and it, I think um, this might sound like, you know, harsh or cruel or, you know, oh, you're asking people if they want to die, but it's like, I think most people will answer that question with, no, I want to live. But I think a lot of people, you know, they sort of just like never come to terms with sort of like the meaningful question of that. So they just kind of wallow in their despair. Like they, they take depression as a state you know, this might sound, you know, tangential and sort of uh, incoherent, but they sort of take depression as a, you know, just state of being and uh, right. don't move on from it. Like, I think you have to ask yourself the question, do I want to live? And I think most people will answer that with the yes. And, you know, okay, I want to live. So I need to, you know, get on solving this now. I mean, like, like when you answer yes to the question of I want to live, you know, the, the question then becomes, how do I want to live? Do I want to yeah. live constantly miserable and lonely or do I want to live somewhat uh, satisfied yeah i mean this is the kind of problem i have with people like saying oh i want to die well then kill yourself i mean All right. do you really want to die or are you just saying that to you know sort of keep in your depressive state i really dislike those uh in, in most states in most countries it's actually illegal to uh commit suicide it will like detain you and and keep you in, in like a cell for weeks and I, I had to go through this if they uh expect that you're going to kill yourself it's like no I think that, that if someone genuinely does not want to live and they are serious about that why the fuck should we keep them here yeah ultimately I think that I think if someone's smart they probably will find a way to kill themselves anyway but yeah I don't think we should prevent people killing themselves it's ultimately a choice they have to make themselves I mean, I think that we should even have like like assisted suicide for people who uh, who are suicidal, uh, and you know, even without terminal illness. If like, I mean, if you look at uh, the the methods people have to resort to, the the really ineffective methods people resort to, and end up mutilating themselves trying to die. I think it's barbaric to uh, to let them do that. I think... offering an alternative. I think there sh I might agree with that, but I think there should be some barriers to entry for like assisted suicide. Oh sure. Like, I mean we shouldn't let like a thirteen year old who who had her first middle school breakup go and get euthanized. Yeah, of course. I mean I think it has to be sort of like a stringent process of, you know, determining it. But yeah, I think I guess the methods I'm not sure honestly, but yeah. And like making you're sure that yourself, you're, you're pretty much sure you're gonna die, so you know, right? I mean, yeah, but like, you know, something like I've seen really gnarly photos from people who killed themselves with like uh, who tried to kill themselves with guns and they just they mutilate their face so bad but end up living, 
Yeah, it's it's awful to see. I mean, I don't want to get into like the technicalities of suicide, but it's pretty simple, you know. Uh, at least in most cases, if you just put it at the roof of your mouth and pull the trigger, you're gonna die. I mean, it's effective ninety nine percent of the time, but like, there's always that one percent. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that actually. I think that probably should be. So yeah, I think assisted suicide with uh with barriers to entry, of course. <clears throat> I mean, I think that there are, we have to accept that there are people out there who, who produce more you know, disutility than utility, who produce more bad than good in society, and that those people, if they can't get their act together, they may very well have like a duty to kill themselves. Yeah, let's not name anyone in particular. I'm not going to. I mean... Like, just not everyone's existence is beneficial to the world. Yeah, but then we get into sort of ethical questions like, should people with Down syndrome die, you know, because technically their existence doesn't really have any use to society. You know? oh, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I live with a, a very low-functioning uh, autistic uh, sister. And, yeah, I mean, she's just been like, like a, a, I mean, not to be, like, just a constant burden but you know I, I don't think that euthanasia is the solution there. yeah I think uh, it's a case by case kind of thing but yeah I think ultimately I don't even think it's a grand or societal thing I just think it's an individual thing like if you've ultimately come to the conclusion that life isn't worth living then you, yeah I think you should have the option to kill yourself but I don't, I don't really think you should take this sounds like a liberal individualist thing, and maybe it is, but you should just kind of consider it yourself. <laughs> and there, there are people out there who believe that, like, uh, you know, oh well, life is so awful that, like, I believe in a uh, a benevolent world destroyer who who benevolently wipes out all of mankind so that they don't suffer anymore. Shit's stupid. Of course, uh, it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've, I've talked to these people and like like tried to I ask them like okay if that's the case if killing people is good because it relieves them of the suffering of life you know why was the holocaust bad and I get answers like oh the holocaust is bad because it only targeted one group of people well yeah that that's not really a refutation of that because wouldn't you be alleviating the suffering of those people but yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, and that sounds awful. I mean, I, I can't even like you know like listen to myself say that. But that's ultimately the conclusion they come to. Yeah, I mean, the conclusion they come to is that all killing is good. Like, like their problem with the Holocaust is that it wasn't big enough. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think people should live, and I'm sort of a, I'm sort of kind of trad with this. Like, I think people ultimately should not only live for themselves but I, I know you've i'm not sure if you're still an antinatalist but i am yeah but I, I do believe people should live for posterity because i believe um it's sort of living for only yourself you know it kind of just gives you like uh it makes your existence sort of aimless if you have like kids or if you have like uh, something to propagate. I think it makes your life a lot more meaningful. <laughs> I think it makes your life meaningful to devote yourself to like to like any higher cause at all. It doesn't have to be 
your offspring or whatever. It can be, you know, writing can give your life meaning. Uh, yeah, but I think your offspring, it's a much more reliable and, you know, I think people do find much more fulfillment from that than, you know, from writing. Because we can, we can go on for hours and hours naming all of the great writers who were terminally depressed. But I think most people who, like, live for their children are pretty, um, at least, content with their lives. I mean, they've done studies in, uh, in Germany where they find, like, people's quality of life and life satisfaction actually drops. They have children, generally. Maybe long-term, it, it improves after the kids finally move out after 18 years. But, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before, but um, you, you have to kind of look at the method. I, I didn't say this specifically, but you have to look at sort of the methodology and sort of the uh, sampling group and all of this with studies, because it's it's often kind of like biased groups and they determine the conclusion beforehand, but that, that sure. is interesting stuff. So maybe I'd have to look at it, but maybe, yeah, the trap. I haven't looked, at, I haven't looked into this stuff for like a very long time. Yeah. Um, I, know, I mean, like, like antinatalism is kind of like a, it's independent of whether or not, True, independent of whether or not children bring like joy or satisfaction to the parent. Is it sort of like a sort of like grand, like ecological, and you know, like just like that's part of it. Uh, I mean, like the basic idea is that like people are harmed by being brought into existence. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that can be confused with like uh, the benevolent world destroyer view but it's different in that benevolent world destroyer view advocates for killing existing people and the antinatal view advocates for not pro- creating more existing people mm. yeah it's it's definitely not as morally repugnant as the benevolent killer thing but we get mixed up with like like overpopulation concerns. I don't know how much I believe in overpopulation. I think it's it's kind of real, I guess. I mean, if you take it from the standpoint that we're always going to sort of live in like a neoliberal capitalist society, you know, population growth will forever sort of deplete the environment, but there theoretically could be a mode of production or even just uh, yeah, just a mode of production, I guess, that um, doesn't uh, like entail the same environmental destruction that our current mode does, even with the same amount of people. That's true. I mean, my view has always been that like we have enough people, like we don't really need any more, uh, but also we don't need to start like culling the population. Yeah, I think. Um... I don't think we should have any more people, honestly. That's why I've... uh, (laughs) This might make me sound like a total hypocrite, but I was kind of like... I kind of like came to this conclusion with Corona, like, you know, maybe there could be some utility in just uh, just getting rid of some people, right? You know, that sounds horrible. Yeah, no, it's... It's true that, like, you know, Corona, for the most part, as far as I know, is wiping out Wealthy, you know, old, old people are disproportionately wealthy. A wealthy uh, Westerner, those people 
have done tremendous ecological damage. I, can, I understand how you can come to that. Yeah, well, I think that um, this kind of, uh, I don't know, it would be kind of a more like efficient way of population reduction because if we take the antinatalist sort of route, that will just, uh, you know, lead eventually to an inverted uh, sort of a population pyramid, which will, you know, mean that all the structures of, you know, our economy and stuff would break down because there wouldn't be enough young people. And then well, that's why like a uh, David Benatar, the main antinatalist guy, I haven't actually read this section of his book, but he, uh, kind of lays out his plan for like a, a phased extinction. So you don't have that kind of problem. Mm. don't know the specifics of it, but yeah, that would that, require that like, too. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's kind of silly to assume that any human, you know, global government or whatever would consensually decide to, uh, even if slowly exterminate themselves. Yeah, I have, I have no illusions at a, uh, anti-natalism is going to pop off anytime soon. It's always going to remain like a, a tiny fringe of the population. I think the better sort of thing is the sort of Kaczynski either, you know, Ted, um, what's, that, what's that called? Uh, the Bronze Age mindset kind of thing where you know, we don't want to kill people or anything but the mode of, you know, production needs to be radically shifted and that's almost as hard to do as an antinatalist thing, but uh, that's the kind of thing I subscribe to. I don't know if he had any uh, any illusions about his society uh, uh, actually happening either. I haven't yeah. actually read, like, technological slavery or anything. Yeah, I've skimmed through the, uh, the Unabomber Manifesto, but... Yeah, it's pretty. It's more of a critique of industrial society than it is uh, sort of. Then it sort sort of is a like a blueprint to uh, make his ideal society. Right. I, I mean, I think uh, my my general belief on Ted is that he's a a relatively intelligent guy. I think he's a very very intelligent guy. Not relatively. He oh was, yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, he was like a he was a professor at MIT, right? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was MIT, but it was a pretty good school, and he like uh, was in college like three years before he was supposed to be, and all that kind of stuff. Like he was, he was like a boy genius, like that level. There's no like, like, I'm pretty sure his brain was like totally fucked by MK Ultra. He was part of uh, MK Ultra. Yeah, um, what they would do is they would bring him in every week. He would write like an essay. And he would like, uh, they would bring in a guy to berate him about the essay for like hours. He had to do that like weekly. I read about that. Uh, I'm, yeah, that might be true, but, um, still, I think that even if he was sort of driven insane, I think, uh, his his ideas still do have use. um, That's true. I mean, I think, uh, like Marx uh, explores alienation better than he does. He kind of explains how, like, like modern society alienates us, ourselves. Like, Marx says the same thing, but I think better. Yeah, I, I've, I've tried to read Marx before, but it's like, this is something so like Yola, yeah, this is something Yola brought up. It's not, like, even that hard. It's just so boring, because Yola brought this up. It's like, what Marx talks about is, like, 
it takes the producer to like $16 to make something and they sell it for 35. So then the surplus value is um, like 19 and then, you know, so-and-so this is stolen. Like it's really like boring technical stuff. So awful, dude. Like I'm in the middle of reading uh, like this essay by him, uh, Estranged Labor. It's so difficult because he's just such a boring writer. Yeah, that's I never like reading German writers for that reason. They just sort of dictate stuff. They don't have any artistry, at least in my experience. You know who's a good writer, though, is uh, if you've ever read Stalin, I think he's a great writer. I haven't read him. I used to be a big Stalin like fanboy tanky, but shockingly, I never got any of his books. What's uh, one of them? I've only read like a few saves from him, but like, like the way he explains thing he kind of he kind of takes his ideas and boils them down to a very a very simple form where you can understand them which i think is important you know if you're if your evolutionary language isn't accessible to the masses then it's not very revolutionary yeah i mean there's a reason why stalin ultimately beat out uh lenin's uh projected successor trotsky it's because he was much better at sort of uh, like uh, using proletarian language and using the language of you know Politburo members to you know get there, get them on his side, rather than Trotsky, who was just some kind of nerd who just wrote this completely impenetrable stuff. You know, as he said, it shows how reading and writing is gay. It really is, man. Uh, that's the ultimate red pill. Fuck, <laughs> reading is bourgeois, bro. You need, we need a. Went around, and he raised the literacy rate so much just so he could like teach peasants uh, Marxism. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's what Marxists need to do nowadays as well. They need to make you know their writings much more accept- uh, accessible. I think they did that a little bit with uh, that book, uh, Capitalist Realism, which you know I'd suggest you read, but I Mark still, Fisher. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I've read parts of it. I just ordered it on Amazon. I'm gonna read the whole thing uh, later this week, or I guess next week. But yeah, I've been told David Harvey is really accessible. Yeah, so I, I haven't listened. I haven't read much of what he's written. But... Yeah, but um, that's the thing, and not only that, but I think they need to become more like sort of aesthetically, uh, sort of accessible. Like they might uh. I don't know, like, uh, uh, I can't even, I can't even articulate this, but they just need to stop looking like such nerdy intellectuals. Like they need to go out and like, you know, act like workers. Well, I mean, a lot of these intellectuals, a lot of like modern day Marxists, I mean, they, they openly revile the idea of becoming workers. You know, you see, uh, labor party activists who who are freaking out because they went to school all these years and then they ended up working at uh, stocking shelves at walmart yeah i I thought we liked workers yeah it is sort of a bourgeois sort of ideology nowadays like it's a way for sort of middle class or you know professional managerial class kids who have didn't get it get as well as a sort of deal as their parents got to sort of pretend to be altruistic, but ultimately they're, you know, the same as uh, any other sort of, uh, you know, like a person of their class. 
I think, like, ultimately, the, the main problem the left right now is that the uh, leftist parties are all dominated by PMC dipshits instead yeah. of actual workers, because actual workers don't want anything to do with, with identity politics. Yeah, they really don't. I mean, yeah, well, maybe, because I think uh, quite a... I don't think... Uh, I think, you know, like... Black people are quite uh, interested in identity politics, and I think oh, yeah. a lot of minorities are. But yeah, but I think uh, still, I think I don't think identity politics is the right game to play. I think we ultimately just have to make the class conscious argument, even to people who may not be as receptive to it. You know, like, sure, I mean, like identity politics does work somewhat with uh, with like black workers. I mean, people like people. Uh, uh, Act like this is some reactionary thing, but it's really not to say that the the white worker is a really fucking important segment of society. That's yeah, it absolutely over. is. It absolutely is. I mean, that's. I mean, I don't believe in bourgeois democracy. It's not a democracy anyway. But yeah. I mean, I mean, the white worker did ultimately win Trump the election, and uh, it's important stuff. And you know, leftists need to stop pretending like they don't exist. And people like pounced uh, uh, on, on Bernie Sanders, who is just a moderate social Democrat, because he mentioned like, oh yeah, white workers, I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there was this, uh, I was, I used to be a fan of Bill Maher during the election. And there was this quote from John Lennon. He had him on a show right after the election and John Le- uh, legend, you know, this rich, you know, uh, pop star. He just said, well, um, uh, when he was asked a question about the white working class, he said something along the lines of, well, there isn't a white working class. We, he, he said, I think we, we, the blacks and the Hispanics are, the working class i'm like Ugh. you what the fuck are you doing you're fucking richer than 99.999 percent of people in human history i mean like like i'm ohioan you know and uh you know also as you know this is a place that's like a deindustrialized hellscape and we we do have the stereotypical you know white factory worker who lost their jobs we have a lot of them around here yeah. These people I mean, these people are overwhelmingly going to the far right. Because I mean, yeah. they have no competition. There's no one else trying to, to win them over except the far right. Yeah. And ultimately I think the blacks have been I, I hate using that word, that sounds like kind of racist or whatever, but the blacks have arguably been hurt even worse by this sort of deindustrialization. Because if well, you've absolutely. ever if you've ever been to, you know, the south side of Chicago, there's, you know, I don't think there was any, like, big factories there, but it, it, it does look like a deindustrialized hellscape, you know, like, boarded-up buildings. And these buildings are beautiful, you know, like, they were built in, like, the 1800s, but they're boarded up because no one wants them. Because, you know, former, you know, factory workers or something used to live there and they can't have that. You know, black people are disproportionately impoverished, so, like, if anything, they should be more uh, susceptible to to marxist language yeah but ultimately the only people who you know seem they seem to resonate with are the sort of identitarian people of uh, yeah right but that's just because of like political machines though because 
the black churches are very, very powerful in this country. We talked about this last time. But, yeah, and they know. love Joe. Yeah. I mean, because the, all the black churches lined behind Joe after the Jim Clyborne thing and that. This is kind of coming for, uh, full circle from the last podcast. But yeah, all the black churches just came in support of him. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's really unfortunate what happened to a lot of the Black Panthers. I mean, I had Bobby Seale speak at my university not long ago. A lot of the Black Panthers, former ones, you know, these guys who were part of like a Marxist revolutionary organization that was going to uh, kill cops and support North Korea. They're all blue-pilled now. I know they all are just like normie sort of libtards. It's like, what happened to you? What, <laughs> like, did they take did the CIA take them in and like inject them with them shit to make them libtarded? I don't get wasn't, it. Wasn't Clyburn a uh, Black Panther or like some civil rights hero? I'm not sure. A lot of these guys were, but they're all paused now. It's, it's you hate to see it. <laughs> so who's the one? Uh, like John Lewis, he said, like, yeah. you know, I was beaten bloody by police officers, but I'd never hated them. I said, thank you for your service. Damn, what, a get more than that. what a fucking cuck. What have they done to these guys? <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, you said uh, earlier um, off uh, off the recording that you want to talk about women and ironically, you still want to yeah. do that because. We're running, uh, I mean, we can go as long as we want, but I think we're running, we're like an hour on time, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would feel like that's important because almost everything I say about women is is ironic, like incel posting. Yeah, I, we, I think both of us, I can't speak for uh, Ben, but I, I think this is the case with him as well, that we don't hate women, like, at all, but, you know, we, we just acknowledge that they're, like, different and, you know. Yeah, we're gender realists. Well, yeah, we're... like you know, I I think my my I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I've been thinking like, do I do I want to take the black pill and just go full like misogynist, or do I want to take like a nuanced view on the Freud question? I mean, I think that um, you probably should take a new. I mean, you can like meme about you know like hating women, but we should take a nuanced view. I mean. As much as we do hate them, um, the, there is some sympathy to be had with the condition of women. I mean, they're suffering, if not as much, then almost as much as men in the current society. Absolutely. Well, I mean, like I was reading about, I was doing a lot of reading about, about East Germany. And I mean, in uh, East Germany, women had pretty much full employment. And they, they were able to do that because of all these state-funded childcare centers so pretty much every kid in the country was in these childcare centers and the uh the parents could go to work they got like like years of maternity they got like a full year of maternity leave yeah all sorts of like really these nice benefits that ensured that they could go to work then when when east germany collapsed and west germany absorbed them all of that went away now they're just fucked, and their their unemployment rate went up to like thirty percent. So I mean, I just think like my opinion is that women are are products of their society, just like everyone else. And that in this society, at least in America, we have a a culture of coddling them, telling them that they can't do anything wrong, telling them you know that that women don't lie, things like that. Yeah, and coddling them doesn't ultimately help them. It only helps, like, these really rich, you know, like, 
or white actresses who you know can uh, accuse these Jewish producers of rape. That's who believe women benefits. It doesn't benefit, you know, some woman who's a waitress or something who gets sexually harassed. You know, people the sort of same societal attitudes towards that will persist. You know, what the mass media apparatus uh, does with this sort of believe women stuff, it it only supports the higher class ones. I was uh, I was watching a video earlier today, and I actually watched a couple of videos. Number one, it was a uh, white woman, like uh, a series, a video series of white women freaking out, like attacking people as they were being asked to wear a mask inside of a store. Then there was another video where, uh, like, a woman freaks uh, out and claims that a black man is hitting her with his car. Sure, you've seen this one. Uh, two I haven't one. seen. I haven't seen this one in particular, but I've seen a lot of videos of like white women unfairly go um, like going hard on black men. Yeah, well, like <laughs> she was on the phone with the police, and she was like right and standing in front of his car. I can't really remember why she was trying to block him from leaving this place, and she was like screaming to the officers, like, "Oh, I'm being run over! Please send help! Help me!" And like you know, I I realize. These people are a product of their culture, just like everyone else. And the culture in this case is telling them not take no for an answer, that they can have everything that they want, that they can accuse people of whatever, and they will be believed. Look, that's the type of thing that got fucking Emmett Till lynched. A white woman crying and and yelling about being, about abuse and trauma, and, and they strung up some innocent black kid. Yeah, I mean, who is victimized most from this, you know, white women worship? It's black men and it's Jewish men. There is ultimately a degree of anti-black and anti-Semitic behavior in this sort of, in the behavior of women, you know, as they get the power to, you know, pretty much accuse anyone of anything. I mean, like, like women have racial biases like everyone else, and... I mean, society tends to associate black men with rape. Like, you know, if a woman accuses a black man of rape, not only are we told that that women should be believed unquestioningly, we're also told that black men are rapists. So yeah, it leads to to essentially lynchings of uh, black dudes. Yeah, I mean, it probably happens all the time, that, and we don't even see it on the news, like white women accusing black guys who may or may not have done it of rape. That should exist. <laughs> but yeah, no, what, um, you were in saying. In general, are, uh, I've never had like a positive experience with a woman, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure that there are decent ones out there. But like, you know, I mean, women, like everyone else, are products of a, a corrupt and stupid society. So I don't, I don't think that it's gen- a genetic thing. I don't think that, that it's a genetic thing that they're all, that a lot of them are like this. I think it's primarily a societal thing. Yeah, for sure, as is the case with most people. I mean, uh, what was I going to say? That, uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't, like, even, like, most of my women hating is pretty much me. I, you know, I don't really even hate any single woman, at least not I can think of, but... Yeah, I mean, a few, but yeah. Um, God damn, my brain is melted. I uh, I got like two hours of sleep. I, uh, 
I just drank a freaking uh, energy drink that didn't do shit for me, but or maybe it's just wearing off right now because my thoughts are just not uh, not jiving. But yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I think uh, women you could not say the same thing about women in East Germany. Women in Soviet Russia that you can say about women here, even women in like modern Russia and modern Germany. Yeah, and they were arguably more empowered back then. Like as you said, they had you know paid leave, and I don't think necessarily think female employment is a good thing. It may or may not be a good thing for certain women, but um, gave them a sense of liberation. You know, in in West Germany, they weren't even allowed to work without their husband's permission. Yeah, so uh, I think that shouldn't be the case, but I think ultimately, I think the sort of um, like mass movement of women into the workforce, this is like a basic bitch conservative take, but you know, is a result of a sort of this like desire for more and more labor. And uh, ultimately, I think it has sort of harmed women in, in a way, uh, moving women into the workforce. <laughs> and personally, I like it when women are like, able to be self-sufficient uh, and think, that's what a job should, does i think they should have the option to be self-sufficient for sure but ultimately uh i think if you give a lot of women the choice they probably wouldn't choose to i mean most of the women i know don't even want to drive <laughs> yeah i mean that's another thing like a lot of people in the west who dislike women uh, dislike them on the basis that they're supposedly all all child-free people who want to just like drink cum their whole lives and and never have children. That's not my problem with them. My problem is that they want the opposite of that. That they all they want in life is to find a a man to settle down with, a home in the suburbs with, and have two point five offspring with. I feel like for a lot of women, that's their only ambition in life, and that's fucking awful to me. Yeah, it definitely shouldn't be your only ambition in life, but I, I don't find much of a problem with that ambition. Uh, in all honesty, that's probably something I desire out of a woman, and that's something that's becoming increasingly rare, but you know, I don't hate women who desire sex or desire that kind of stuff. I mean, I just don't associate with them unless they're interesting people otherwise. I mean, that's the thing is, like, uh, I was reading uh, about the suburbs. A lot of women in the suburbs are, have their fucking brain, like, caved in. Because they're, they're left alone all day. The, the dad takes the only car to work. They're left alone in the house taking care of the kids all day, and the only thing that they can tune into is fucking reality TV that melts their brain and quickly turns them into boring slaves to consumerism. I mean, there's a reason Ralph Nader referred to young wives as like an asset of capitalism. Yeah, I I think the ultimate uh, sort of glorification of the nuclear family is, is, you know, it's it's misguided because what the nuclear family ultimately did was it downgraded the role of women from like these, you know, powerful matriarch figures in extended families who had, you know, the power to dictate what the men and women in their, in their sort of like um, uh, their descendants, their living descendants did. But after the nuclear family came, all they have is, you know, like there's three fucking kids and reality TV and 
I mean, I don't like uh, I don't like feminism, but uh, I read a bit of the feminine mystique, and it talks about this. It talks about how women are just completely sort of alienated by this existence. It's it's not a good thing. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you want to look at like the the failures of the nuclear family and how it can go wrong, I mean, look at Vranak, and that's the that's the logical end result of like being told that that. The only thing you need in life and the only thing that's of any value is your children. Yeah, for sure. Fucking coddled his whole life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the nuclear family ultimately was destructive. That's that's why I hate when trad people say like, Oh, all all I want is, you know, a house in the suburbs and uh you know, blah blah blah. Well, why did that? Why did that state of affairs only last for like twenty years? Because the women were miserable in most cases, and it probably wasn't even that good for the men. Because you know, they say, uh, "Happy wife, happy life," and their wives certainly weren't happy. I'd argue that, like you know, it's not a state of affairs that like really ever disappeared. There's a ton of people if you drive through the uh, through the nightmare urban sprawl still are living that like 1950s fantasy of uh you know the white picket fence and the uh the large suburban mansion yeah but i think it's um it's been however slowly sort of deteriorating i mean i guess i grew up in a nuclear family not really though because my mom always had a job but yeah i mean um there it is quite common but uh i don't think it's as prominent as it once was and i think there are yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, people have sort of realized that that's no way for a human to live, you know, pretty much being an asset of their husband. I mean, it, it definitely strips away autonomy from the uh, from the woman. It makes it much harder for her to get out of the marriage if she ever wants to. Uh, yeah. That's why that's why they say that women had a better sex under socialism. <laughs> Oh, because yeah. they, they felt more liberated. They felt like uh, that they could take more pleasure in it. And also, you know, if if there were problems in bed, they felt you know more able to sort of bring those up, and so you know, right. their partner could you know could fix you know his attempts to uh, sort of please her, that kind of thing. You put a lot less emphasis on like marriage in uh in East Germany. So like they had like a thirty percent of their children born out of wedlock. Women, for the most part, just kind of lived with, like, male friends or, or family uh, or on their own. It's like, you know, I think that's, you know, people put all this value in marriage. Well, 50% of marriages end in divorce. I don't see, like, anything wrong with a society where everyone's perfectly content and also marriage is a, a, a much less prominent feature of life. I think marriage, yeah, I think marriage does have to be rethought. I think that um, this is going to sound like gay and libtardish, but it should be kind of like a transient kind of thing. Like, I think that it should be out of like, uh, you should, you know, if you do have kids, you should, you know, take care of them with a person of the opposite sex. But ultimately, I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect people to live with each other for like 60 years because we live so much more longer and people, you know, change so much. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that's why all these marriages end in divorce is because people, people grow apart and 
it's inevitable. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you have to pick a good person, to, you know, who you want, if you want to have kids. I mean, if you to have kids with, you know, because you're going to have to stay with them for 18 years, you know, taking care of the kids. I think if you're a moral person. There are uh, so but, many fucking loveless marriages that are intact simply because of the kids. It's sad. Yeah, that's why I think people have to think things through quite a bit. I mean, it has to be something you think about maybe for years. You know, if you want to have kids with someone, like, can I can I live uh, like eighteen years with this person or no? Don't think that through. They think very very short term. Yeah, because they feel this sort of like middle schoolish, like lovey dovey, like oh my god, we're gonna be in love forever kind of thing. But it, it, it's a lot harder than that to maintain relationships. I mean, I'm a I'm an autistic virgin, and I know that. I mean, me too. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I think it's somewhat understandable. Like, as the marriage goes on, you know, the rates of the rates of uh, uh, extramarital affairs goes up. Yeah, I think people probably do crave variety. I've, uh, the cheating thing, I've always had a sort of, uh, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you, right? So just keep it private. But, right. but I mean, yeah, but yeah, people do crave variety. We're ultimately animals. That's the thing. We, this is the kind of contradictory sort of worldview of a lot of like, uh, you know, liberals and people like they, um, they think that we're sort of like, like they believe in evolution and that we're like just another animal, but they also believe in like the human capacity to like, I don't know, like if a guy's in a room with a woman, you know, who's naked to like prevent himself from having sex with them. Like they believe that humans transcend the desire to, you know, procreate, but that's just not what, how it works. Like we are animals and that's the kind of thing that we're going to do. Well, that's why so few people are putting thought into like uh, uh, relationships before they start or marriages before they start them. It's because they have that base primal urge to do it regardless of reason. Yeah, I mean, I think civilization is ultimately a task in trying to, if not prevent, because I, I think if you try to prevent your animalistic urges, it ultimately will make you depressed to, to control them, basically. and. Uh, uh, sublimate them into something fulfilling. That's what I think the point of civilization is. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what I, I kind of do degree like the uh, Levian uh, Satanism. Like it's you know it's all about trying to uh, uh, manifest your your animalistic instincts into something useful. The so Satanism in general is pretty cringe. Yeah, I'm, I'm not into Satanism, but that's yeah, uh, some stuff. But yeah, I think that's about it. Do you have any final remarks or no? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, actually. All right. Now, I want to go up with something witty, but... Uh, Maybe we should just end it with, uh, and always remember, that's life, you know, every time. <laughs> but uh, no... Uh, no, um, all right, if that's all, um, thank you all for listening, whoever you are, and uh, Chris Wright, bless. All and right. always remember, it's life. That's life, indeed.
All right. Let me stop this recording. I need to check the command. <clears throat> How long did I go? Like an hour and uh, a half? An hour and ten minutes, so pretty good. It's only like ten minutes. Ten minutes longer than last time. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, OPS one right now, so maybe it's... Uh, I think it's a few minutes shorter on the Craig one.